Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? How much? It's been a good week here. It is... July 27th, 1996. Is it, though? Yeah. Are, are you sure? Because you were really not sure yesterday. Just saying. <laughs> Love you. You have the biggest shit-eating grin on your face right now. Yeah, because I love to be right. You know, it is the 27th, though. You know who else is eating shit? Uh, Who? This is a really bad joke, but uh, the people at the Atlanta Olympic Games that are uh, dealing with the aftermath of this bomb that just went off. Holy crap, how is that even a thing, like, for you to make a joke about like that? This is hot, breaking news for us. It has nothing to do with eating shit. BTW. No, a, uh, so this is, this is obviously a horrific story the uh the headline is an evil act of terror uh the games are going to go on uh but we see here you can kind of see here carol uh, a pipe bomb uh caught on videotape uh by a concert goer at centennial olympic park where the the olympic games are being held in atlanta uh the atmosphere has turned somber uh there are armed soldiers and uh police uh, at security sites at the Olympics, um, uh, let's see. They're 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 investigating right now. Obviously, uh, trying to to uh, determine who planted this bomb. There was a nine one one call that was placed. Uh, this was uh, you know uh, like one twenty five in the morning, early early morning today. Uh, so. You know, we'll, we will, we'll, I'm sure we'll update this story uh, <clears throat> next week. Uh, you know, obviously we're not, um, we're not uh, news reporters, so we don't, uh, we're not going to stay on this story every day and, and bring you tapes every day. There's news for that, but uh, obviously a huge story that I, I felt we had to uh, talk about. I don't know how you can continue on with, you know, the games, like, after that. Like, I, I know, you know, when you're performing in, like, theater, the show must go on, right? Mm-hmm. So even if something bad happens, you keep going. Do you think there's a, if there was a pipe bomb in the in our local <laughs> theater that they would uh, they'd keep going? No. No, I don't. No, but I, I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, they, you know, the, what was it, the 70... Uh, seventy four, no, seventy two games. Munich, mm-hmm. Germany. There, there were uh, people taken hostage. They all died. You know, and they, they, those games went on. That's awful. There was a standoff with the police and everything. That's it's one of those things where it's like they don't cancel the Olympics for much or for anything. Apparently, well, wars. I mean, they you know during world wars and stuff, they they canceled the Olympics, but. There's not a lot. I mean, there'd have to be a huge event that, with global uh, implications, in order to uh, postpone, delay, or, or cancel the Olympic Games. 
Well, I'm just thinking it's a bummer. You know, you're there. Mm-hmm. You want to have fun. You're cheering your people. And We and were talking about going to Atlanta, remember? Yeah. Because there were tickets available. That's right. Kind of glad we didn't. We could have been in the midst of that pipe bomb. Yeah. What a thought. So, yeah, just uh, terrible news there. Uh, hopefully everybody's safe. What else you got for us? It's maybe something happier? Please. Uh, redneck humor remains Jeff Foxworthy's best friend. Woohoo. <laughs> you might be a redneck if. Yeah. I don't, that was my attempt at a southern accent, I by t- the way. Yeah, I know. Your southern accent is. Remember, we, we already said Eastern European. Slobodan <laughs> Uh No, but I've never really liked uh, Jeff Foxworthy. I used to do a thing where I said that. You could what he's doing. You could do with anything. It's like uh, if you if you worship Queen Kamala Mela, you might be Polynesian. If volcanoes are your backyard decorations, you might be Polynesian. Yeah. Okay. If you get laid every day, you might be Polynesian. See, you know, like, you could do that with anything. You could, but it wouldn't be funny. It was what I just did was hilarious. Everyone in the audience is laughing. What are you talking about? (laughs) You could literally do it with anything, though. Like, if you fold your pizza over, you might be a New Yorker. But that's dumb. If... That, that they fold their pizza over? Because. You're being so insulting right now. <laughs> no, I don't mean because they fold their pizza over. I mean because, like, it's not it's not funny. Like, it's not fun. And, it's not what fun. What he does is and, not funny. You're right. It's not fun and funny to make fun of New Yorkers or Polynesians. But Southerners, <laughs> it's okay. It's Fuck kind, them. It's kind of funnier. Oh my god, that's payment for the Civil War. <laughs> you guys get made fun of for the rest of your lives now because you killed uh, four million Americans. There we go. Anyway, uh, it's no secret that the redneck joke has been very, very good to Jeff Foxworthy. Heck, it's the affable Southern comics chucklehead signature. You might be a redneck if, recorded in 1993, has become the best-selling comedy album of all time with more than 3 million copies sold. That is insane to me. Of all time. (laughs) Go Jeff Foxworthy. Fuck Jeff Foxworthy. I think he's funny. I don't don't like him that much. Uh, Let's see. Foxworthy, a Georgia tech grad who left his job as an IBM engineer. In 1985. That's crazy. To enter the funny bone zone. Oh, Mike Duffy. What what a way with words you have. Anyway, he's going to be performing at Pine Knob with somebody named Ron White, who I don't know who that is. Uh, but anyway, um, he's going to be there. Pine Knob. Go to Ticketmaster. Tickets are between $12.50 and $25. I want to go. No. I'll go without you. We're not fine. You go without me. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll meet a redneck. Okay. Okay. You're going to leave me for a redneck? Is that what you're intimating here? Maybe. Good luck, because if it's not, uh, 
if the redneck you meet's not your cousin, uh, you know, you're not going to uh, get lucky. What the fuck? I'm saying they have sex with their That's cousins. It's gross. It's gross. Ugh. <laughs> they have sex with their cousin and sheeps. Sheep. No, that's the Irish. <laughs> Carol is of Scottish heritage. So all the Scots think that uh, there there are so many places in the world, like Australians are like, uh, oh, New Zealand, they're the sheep shaggers, you know. And there, there are so many parts of the world where that's like an insult for the part of the world that you feud, the, the country in the world you feud with. <laughs> we don't have sheep in the South, though. So it doesn't really work here. There's sheep, aren't there? Isn't there sheep somewhere? I mean, maybe in in a petting zoo. Not like out in the fields. There are not flocks of sheep. There's jokes of maybe cows or whatever. Farm animals. Yeah, cows. Southern donkeys. Farm animals. Definitely donkeys. What does that mean? Why do you have that look in your eyes? Do you have some experience (laughs) that I don't know about? I've just, I've heard some things. You have some southern relatives, don't you? (laughs) No. I do. I have some northern relatives, and northerners in Michigan sometimes seem like southerners. That's true. This state is... They're not. This state is schizophrenic. It is. Bipolar, that's, I guess, it's probably better. This whole country is. I guess. I don't know. Who knows what they're doing in Montana? I have no clue. Uh, Raising... uh, Arizona. Cows. It's a good movie. Sure. There's not a lot of cows in, in Montana, I don't think, is there? Isn't that cowboy country? Isn't that, like, what Montana is? A big sky country. That's Wyoming, actually. No, cow, uh, Wyoming's the cowboy state. Yeah, Montana's big sky country. Okay. What the hell know. does that mean? I, I don't know. Yeah, there's probably, big a lot of, sky there's probably a lot of cows. There's probably cattle driving. Who knows? Yeah, pr- open prairies. Good for them. Anyway, this week we watched a televisual program. Yes, we did. And uh, pictures played at 24 frames per second, uh, you know, consecutively, uh, and then projected onto a screen. Because you can't hear it, I'm going to tell you that I just rolled my eyes. Oh, we, everyone could hear you roll your eyes. <laughs> Rolling your eyes is like your favorite pastime. It is. I'm very good at it. Yeah. If you're good at something, you got to keep doing it. Oh, yeah. Is that why? Uh... Anyway. Fuck. <laughs> that look in your eyes told me I should not finish that joke. Alrighty. We watched The Real World. There you go. Episode two. Yeah, Real World Miami. And what? I was, no, I was going to say something about Say it. it. No. Come on, Mr. Funny Man. No, just Be go funny. Ahead. Miami, go ahead. <laughs> so they're starting to talk about the business that apparently they have to uh, get off the ground in six months. I I will be honest with you. I've seen parts of the real world here and there, but I'm mm-hmm. not a dedicated real world watcher. Right. So I was unaware that they were given $50,000 to no, start a $500,000. No, $50,000. I'm pretty sure it was five hundred. Jesus Christ, five hundred thousand dollars is so much money. It's there in no world is it five hundred thousand dollars, Carol? Okay, it's fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, they were discussing all kinds of different businesses. You know that guy, the, the Jerome or whatever, the guy that uh, that came to like 
you know, mentor them or whatever. He may have looked a little bit like Bill Gates, but it wasn't Bill Gates. It's not $500,000. Okay, Jesus fine. Christ. But I don't know. Uh, I found out this episode that I don't like the Russian girl. Yeah. She is kind of a bitch. She's from New York. Russia and New York all rolled into one. I mean, that's, oh, all, yeah. that's a lot of hostility in yeah. one person. A lot of anger, a lot of attitude. <laughs> And uh, get the fuck away from that cab. She, she said she wanted to open a coffee shop for beautiful people. That's right. That was her idea. And unless they were going to talk about opening a coffee shop, she was not interested. The gay guy was like, I, I apologize. I only know one person's name, and that's Joe. <laughs> but the gay guy was like, that's so against what I want to do. I don't want to do that. That's very exclusionary. Fuck that idea. Right. And everyone else was kind of on board with him. Right. Because uh, they're not assholes. And then she stormed off, basically. She was like, I want a trendy coffee bar where only beautiful people can get in. <laughs> everyone will be like passing by and looking in and stuff. It, I, I, I get what she's talking about. Like, it's a cross between... Because coffee bars and stuff like that, lounges or whatever, are popular now. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's like a cross between that and a nightclub where it's like they have, you know, at nightclubs, they'll be like, you can come in, you can come in. No. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll let like pretty that's women. so in. sad. Well, yeah, well, that's, that's kind of how they do stuff. Right. So I got the idea, but I also agreed with the gay guy and everyone else in the house that it's a shallow, stupid thing to do. God, if I went to get into a nightclub and they turned me away because oh, of my in. looks, I would kill myself. You'd get in. First of all, that's <laughs> incredibly dramatic. <laughs> Second of all... Like, I don't know how I'd go on with my life. But they, but you'd get in. Second of all, what? You'd get in. Oh, that's what you're going to say? Yeah. Thanks. That's First so of sweet. all, that's very dramatic. Second of all, you'd get in to any club. Well, I don't know that that's true, but thank you. Just the same. Okay. Okay. Anyway, yeah, so they uh, they, they they came to her and she's like, oh, you, you guys can talk about whatever idea. <laughs> but if, if it's not a coffee shop, I don't care. You can pick whatever you want. If it's a coffee shop, I'll come talk. If not, dos pedania. Yeah, she was, she's an awful person. And she called some guy that she used to date... And manipulated him into chauffeuring her and some of the other people around. Yeah. First, she starts out asking if she can borrow his car, which he said no to because he's not an idiot, apparently. Right. And somehow she she's like, I'll be sleeping on the beach if I don't get a job. Like, you're on the real world. You're living in the real world house. That's not even a possibility. Right. Yeah, but they're going like, to kick you out so you sleep on the beach. But he's like, sleeping on the beach? Oh, I'll, I'll come help you. Right. Yeah, moron. Because they're all trying to find jobs, which I think that's weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. They're supposed to be starting their own business, but they're also getting jobs. It's, I don't. That's a lot to put on your plate when you're supposed to be also like having fun. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand this. But there should be more of them just not worrying about anything. Yeah, I want to see them just sitting around the pool drinking and what kind yeah, of shenanigans they get up drinking to. and trying to have sex with each other. Exactly. But instead, the Russian girl tries to have sex with her potential employer. Yeah, she dresses like a complete whore and then goes to this nightclub. And I love the English you put on that word. <laughs> whore. 
<laughs> you turned that into like a 17 syllable word. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but I wanted to make sure that people get exactly how yeah. slutty she looks. Yeah. I mean, like, it was the kind of skirt that one of them said you can see her ass, even though you really couldn't see her ass. Not standing up straight, anyway. But, yeah, if she bent at all, it'd be a whole other story. And she's wearing one of those, you know, like, belly shirts and low-cut tops, and there was not much left to the imagination. Yeah, so she went to a nightclub, uh, and and was, she, the guy, I guess the guy said something like, I think she talked to him on the phone. And the yeah. I was like, why don't you come in for an interview, whatever, the next day or something like that. Mm. And she's like, I thought, no, I, I get job. Yeah, she's like, I'm getting a job tonight. So she went, so she went to the nightclub, grinded on him, on his cock all night. Yep. Uh, at one point, he's like, uh, does your boyfriend know you're here? And she goes, no. And he's like, what about your girlfriend? Does she know? He's like, I don't have a girlfriend. He's like, I don't have a boyfriend. And <laughs> It was weird. It was a weird interaction. But anyway, so she got the job. He's going to try her out on Friday and Saturday night, which is like the two best nights to be a bartender. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he's trying her out, though, on those nights because they're the busiest, and he'll see if she can actually do it. Maybe. I mean, if he has her coming on a Monday afternoon... What's he going to know? Yeah, Monday afternoon is when he's going to be having sex with her. <laughs> right. And then the other girl, the skater girl, she has some really cool hair. Like, did you not notice this? Which one's the skater girl? The long blonde hair, the one that you said you think looks like a lesbian or whatever. Oh, okay, yeah, I know who you're talking about now. But, like, normally she looks all like, like you said, like kind of lesbian-like, like kind of butch and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then she got dressed up to go to the nightclub. Oh, yeah. And she looked really hot. She looked better, yeah. She got her hair all, like, straightened and stuff. And it, there's a lot more hair there than I realized. <laughs> it's a surprise. Um, and then the other girl, the uh, Mexican girl is she mexican cuban i, I believe remember. she's cuban cuban she's from miami i believe she said her parents are cuban yeah which there's a lot of cubans in miami so it makes sense i don't remember much going on with her this episode okay to you uh no she she sat around mostly looked like the hottest one there yeah she is and uh said like uh maybe we should do this for a, <laughs> a business i don't know yeah, she didn't have a lot of input. Most of this episode was focused on Joe, who we'll get to. Yeah. And the gay guy. Yeah. And and the Russian. Right, yeah. The, who we talked about her. Right. The black girl, she was looking for a job, too. Mm, was she? I think yeah, so. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess. I, I think so. I think they all kind of were, but vaguely. I think she and Joe are going to hook up. That's what I think. She seems like she likes Joe. And Joe seems like he's liking her, too. Well, Joe likes anything that moves, <laughs> as we've discovered. Right. Joe wanted to be a porn star. Yeah, that's what he wanted to be when he was a kid. And did a lot of practicing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I got really good at it, too, and stuff. Apparently, Joe's some sort of, like, player or something like that. But he's not. I don't get it. He like, looks like Howdy Doody. Ladies. Tell me, am I missing something? Because this guy is not that attractive. Like, both the other guys in the house are better looking than him. Mm-hmm. The gay guy is the best looking guy. I like his eyebrows. Mm-hmm. He has interesting eyebrows. Yeah, probably get some uh, threaded or whatever they call them. What the hell is that? It's like a, a thing that they do to eyebrows. Like, instead of instead of clipping them. 
Hmm. What? Interesting. What? Why are you looking at me like that? I just didn't know that was a thing. Oh, okay. Like, I get mine waxed. Yeah, but guys don't get their eyebrows waxed. Not threaded. Well, guys don't get their eyebrows waxed. Sometimes they get them trimmed with, like, clippers and stuff like that. But this is something different. Hmm. Some sort of advanced technique. <laughs> okay. Advanced eyebrow tech. I thought he was just born with good eyebrows, you know, that, that Maybe happens. he is. I don't know. I don't it know happens. his life. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Talk about Joe. You know you want to talk about Joe. So Joe went to the prom with two girls. What the fuck? I don't I don't get it. No. This dude is lean as hell. Like I and I'm not talking about like he's thin. He's like skinny fat. He's got no muscle on him. Right. Yeah, he's not He's not ripped. No, not at all. Uh, and he's just like, he's average face. I guess he's got kind of the right attitude that women might sometimes respond to. I guess. But mostly, I don't, I don't see it. I guess it's because he's like, he's kind of like shy and he doesn't talk a lot at First, or in some situations, and then other situations, he's just he talks about like his cock and stuff like that, or whatever, or how he like you know got really good at having sex and holding it in and ruining it for himself because he got too good at it and stuff like that. I, I don't know. How do you ruin sex by being too good at it? I you become really egotistical and want to impress every lady that watches the real world. Because <laughs> it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. But. Okay, his. I think I'm pretty good at it, and I have not ruined it for myself. So. <laughs> Though the only thing that I've ever heard of ruining sex is doing it on ecstasy. Right. Yeah. That that ruins it. Because it's too good then. And it'll never be that good again. Not unless you're on ecstasy again. That. And even then, that first time, you know, that first time's no, different. I don't. Do you? People know that first time. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, in general, I think people know that. Like, the first time you do heroin's the best time. Uh, what? That's a, I've never, I haven't done heroin, but that's a well-known thing. Okay. It's called chasing the dragon. Alrighty, so. Because you, you, you're trying to get back to the feeling of that first high. That but sounds, you never quite get there. Yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, heroin addiction, you know, it sounded okay before. <laughs> when you put it that way, it sounds awful. But back you, to... You know how you, you the Pringles, you can't eat just one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's heroin is the Pringles of drugs. <laughs> back to Joe. Uh-huh. Uh, his giant girlfriend is a bitch. Yeah. She, she's like... Uh, convinced that he's cheating on her, even though... She called him up and said, Joe, I know you're cheating. <laughs> but even though he wouldn't even go to the club with them because he's so afraid he's going to cheat, which I guess is because he's this giant player. Right. Maybe he can't help it. Like, maybe girls just flock. Like, at the restaurant, he wasn't hitting on that waitress. Like that dude in Northern Exposure. Right. Remember that guy in Northern Exposure? The yes. DJ dude? Yes. And I remember one episode where... Some woman came up to him and was just like gave him her her phone number and everything, and I think it was the doctor, somebody, Joel, you know, was talking to him and was like, "What is like, what is with you? You always have a girlfriend. Women are always coming up to you." And he said that he gives off a pheromone. <laughs> that was his explanation. Yeah, 
He's like, I, I don't, you know, I never, like, understood it, but then, like, you know, I realized I give out this pheromone that just attracts women, and, and like, he was, like, you know, effortlessly able to, to women would just come up to him. That must be it. Maybe Joe has a pheromone. I mean, that other guy with the pheromone on Northern Exposure is actually hot. Joe is not. Well, here's the thing. Is that a real thing in real life? Yeah. I mean, it was on a TV show. This is also a TV show, but this is also reality so pheromones are real well i know pheromones are real but are there are there men that are irresistible to women because of they give off pheromones certain pheromones or like the right combination of pheromones i think that sometimes now for one person to put off pheromones it just attracts everybody that might not happen mm. but i think that sometimes there's like almost like a magical combination of pheromones mm-hmm. From, like, a guy and then a girl, where it's, like, then that that magnetic, like, thing that happens, you know? Right. See, I don't think I... I don't think I give off, like, the right combination of pheromones or whatever. But, I mean, you know, uh, uh, whatever... Before we were together and stuff like that, if I would go to a party or whatever, women would always kind of come up to me and stuff like that. But I I think that was just because I was hot. You have dimples. I mean, you have beautiful eyes and dimples, and yeah. There's all kinds of reasons for girls to come up to you. Yeah, so I think, but Joe doesn't have any of that. No. No, he doesn't. I mean, like, they were they were speculating it could be the accent. Yeah. He's got that New York accent, but it's not, like, a good New York accent. Yeah, his I almost live in Jersey New York accent. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, hey, uh, how you doing? <laughs> That kind of accent. So, I don't know. And I think, like I said, when we were watching it, I think he should just break up with his girlfriend Mm -hmm. and have lots of sex because he's on the real world in Miami. Like, enjoy that shit. And apparently he can. So, I don't think his relationship is going to last with this woman. Well, no, because she's all paranoid. Yeah, she thinks he's going to cheat at any turn. Which means she's probably cheating, don't you think? Uh, maybe. Or she's just super insecure of it. Yeah, one of those two. But yeah, it's, I understand her, I understand being concerned. Like, if you went on the real world, <laughs> I'd be like, fuck, you know, that's, that's not cool. Cause, right. Because you'd be living with three dudes and in Miami and stuff like that. But I would trust you enough to where I wouldn't be, you know, I would be slightly worried but I wouldn't, but not worried enough to where I'd actually vocalize that. Yeah. So if she's that worried, then I don't know. There I, are problems. Yeah, I just think there's problems with the relationship. She doesn't trust him enough. Maybe he's cheated in the past. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. You would think he would have mentioned that, but. And then the dude with the eyebrows, the gay guy. Yeah. He went to try to get a job at a restaurant that. Had a rainbow sticker on the door, which apparently means that it is friendly for gay people. Yeah, I guess that's a, a, a homosexual, like, calling card or something. Which I did not know. Maybe it's, I want to think, I want to, I want to think, I want to say that it's like a Wizard of Oz thing. Because hmm. you know how, for some reason, people like uh, Wizard of Oz, I've heard, and I've heard the, I've heard the phrase, uh, friend, friend of, of Dorothy. Dorothy. Yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking the rainbow might have something to do with that, like somewhere over the rainbow. Maybe. But, yeah, I guess that's a symbol. That makes sense. But um, I didn't understand what was going on at this job interview. 
He was pacing around all agitated about not wanting to interrupt these people that were talking. Yeah. He's there with a camera crew. Right. So, like, that couldn't be more staged. Yeah. Of course they're not. He's not just standing there like, oh, they're not, they're not going to notice me. Right. Yeah, pretty ridiculous. But he doesn't get the job, and he thinks he doesn't get the job because he's not pretty enough. But then he goes to a fashion magazine and gets the job there, well, uh, which he, is a way better job. Also, he has a background in uh, journalism, right. so it makes a lot more sense that he would get that job. You know, if you want to get a job, I I have perfect way you can get a job. Anytime you want. Hmm. Well, I mean, anytime you go for an interview. Okay. okay. You do this, they'll hire you every single time. What? Unless someone came along that just blew them out of the water somehow with their resume. But all things equal, you will get the job every single time. When they ask you, do you have any questions? Mm-hmm. This is what you ask. Some version of what I'm about to say. When oh, this, this is the question I want to ask. <clears throat> when you think about the person that you're going to hire for this job doing a good job six months from now, what does that look like to you? Oh, that's a good question. And that's going to be their response every time. They're going to be like, oh, interesting question. It shows that you're, it shows that you're interested in the job. It shows that you want to do a good job. Uh, and whatever they answer is going to basically be their expectations for this role. Right. So you'll get a lot of information about what they expect of you in this job. And it's a re- it's an impressive question. So anytime you go for a job interview and they ask, you know, do you have any questions, ask some version of that question. You will get the job every time. Nice. I like that. So the only other thing I really want to touch on with the real world, though, mm-hmm. is the fish tank. Oh, my God. Yeah. So they had seven fish, one for each of them, apparently. Right. And they named them. Yeah. They named them after themselves. And then they started to die. And they found out it's because there was an eel in there with the fish. It was kind of a pretty looking eel, despite the fact that it was that it was being horrible to the fish. It was eating the fish. It bit off one of the fish's heads because they weren't feeding it enough. They weren't feed. They weren't. I guess the the eel eats the same thing the fish does. And they weren't the fish guy. Came, first of all, they called the Russian woman called the fish guy at two thirty in the morning, and he's like, "I'll be there in the morning. Don't call me at this time. This is not an emergency service." Right. And so he comes in and he looks at their food, the food, and he's like, "Well, I can see the problem right here. This is basically as much as I left you with. It's too much. Mm-hmm. You're not feeding them enough." And he said, "If that eel doesn't eat enough, it, it's going to eat the fish." Which is what it was doing. So they weren't feeding the fish enough. But like, that just seems messed up. Why would you put anything in a fish tank that would eat the fish? Yeah, like if they if it didn't get enough food, it's gonna eat. Maybe it eats their poop. Maybe maybe, maybe that's maybe the, like like the snail. Like the people will put a snail in in a fish tank. Maybe it's a similar concept. Mm. And since they weren't eating enough, they weren't excreting enough, so it wasn't getting enough food. But you would think that something that would eat the excrement of fish, like, how is that? 
Like, but how is that a balanced diet? It, it, it'll eat the either eat the excrement of the fish or the fish itself. I, I don't know why you're making the leap that it's eating the poop that belongs to the fish instead mm-hmm. of the food. Well, I, just because, to your point, why put it in there? If all if it only eats if it doesn't provide something to the fish tank, maybe it gives off. I guess maybe it could give off some sort of chemicals that help keep the fish tank cleaner or something like that. Like it, you would think that the eel being there would have to provide some benefit to the tank and the fish, or else why would you put it in there? Yeah. So that's that's all I was thinking is you know what kind of benefit would it provide. I want a fish tank. Fish, I, I I like fish tanks too. I think fish tanks are cool. I like fish. We had a fish tank, but the fish kept dying. It was oh, sad. I'm sorry. I I remember that. I remember when you you had that fish tank. Made me want to cry. Yeah. There there are a lot of work. That's that's the. I like looking at fish and stuff like that. And I think fish tanks are cool, but I don't know if I'd want to own one because they're. I I saw the work you put into that mm-hmm. fish tank. They're a lot of work. Well, like the fish guy said, it used to be a hobby, and now he hates it because it's so much work, and he made it his career. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't. I, I mean, I do know, like, I have a cousin, uh, her and her boyfriend, they have they have, they have huge fish tanks, like, mm-hmm. that dominate, like, walls, like, whole walls. Wow. Lot, like, and, like, five or five of them or something, like five or six, t- like, separate tanks. Oh, wow. And they have some, like, big fish. They have some of those, like, fighting fish and stuff mm-hmm. like that. They're like big fish and turtles and stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah. I, mean, I want to go there someday. It is cool. It's cool to see, but at the same time, it's got to be so much work. Like, yeah. I'm glad I don't do it, but yeah. <sighs> well, that made me sad. Okay, downer note for the real world. Yeah, sorry about, the, <laughs> so, sorry about all the downer notes in this episode, guys. But on a, a lighter note, oh no, we watched A Time to Kill. Oh my God! The story movie. of a brutal rape of a ten-year-old, a brutal rape and attempted murder of a ten-year-old girl. Ugh! I don't ever want to see it again. I mean, it was a good movie. Oh, it was but, so oh good! Oh my God! It was so, so, so sad and disturbing. You know what the most disturbing thing about it is? Hmm. The author of this uh, this story, mm-hmm. John Grisham. John Grisham, yeah. And everyone's heard of him because of The Firm. Right. And uh, The Pelican Brief. Yeah, we did that movie not that long ago. This was his first book, actually. The Firm is like the book that he wrote that like shot into popularity. But this was actually his first novel. Re- limited edition, like limited release publication for a small publication, and then it got, um, I can't remember what, what publishing house, but a small publishing house. Then when he got picked up by uh, Doubleday, um, they re-released it. They, okay. they bought the rights to it, and they re-released it, uh, so then it got a wider release. But this was the first book that he wrote in, back in 1989, and he wrote it while he was working as a lawyer, or, or uh, finishing law school or something like that. But he... Uh, witnessed a trial, he witnessed the testimony of a 12-year-old who her and her sister were both uh, raped and basically left for dead. Um, it's a little different. They were, they were white, their attacker was black. But he heard that testimony and started thinking what would happen if the dad uh, killed her attackers. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the genesis of this book 
And that's when he started to write it. And I'll tell you, I haven't actually read the book. Uh, I did read The Firm, uh, and I read The Pelican Brief, but I haven't actually read this one yet. I think I'm going to go go back and read it. Why? Why well, would you put yourself through that? Because this is fantastic. I mean, it's super sad. Like you said, it's very... There were a few different times that I know you cried, and... Uh, I'm not ashamed to admit there was a couple times I cried too, like not even just the culmination or anything like that. There's a few times in the in the movie that it just it really really hits home emotionally. Yeah, but it's so good, and it's it's inc- like very well written. They did a they did a, an excellent job uh, adapting it, and and I assume anyway. I assume the book is is also good. Uh, since it, you know, kind of started his career. Um, but, yeah, it, it was fantastic. Yeah, but, again, I, I mean, I wouldn't see it if you have any, like, history with being raped or knowing people who have been or whatever that it's going to, you know, trigger anything for sure. And... Be... Okay, so here's the thing. I would recommend this movie... Be advised that it's it doesn't tiptoe around these things no, necessarily. Not at all. It's it doesn't I mean it's not it does it's like not it's not graphic, but it doesn't pull punches either. It's you know, it's very frank about a really, really tough subject. And so yeah. So be advised, and if that's, obviously it's not for children, uh, and if that's, you know, if that's something that's going to, like Carol said, that's an interesting way to way to put it, if that's going to trigger something in you, um, then, you know, you might want to stay away. But for anybody else, uh, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a good story. Um, so, what did you, what, what were some of the things you liked about it. Well, I mean, like, I, I love the characters and the relationships and, you know, the the end scene, you know, when he gives his testimony and his final words are, you know, picture the girl. Yeah. And then at the end, now imagine she's white. And, and that's what gets his friend off. You know, I mean, I thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a very satisfying uh, ending. And uh, I liked the relationship between him and Sandra Bullock that didn't actually happen. <laughs> I think it's yeah, better weird. that it didn't actually happen. So he's married to... Well, okay. First of all, the acting in the movie is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Matthew McConaughey, I didn't realize, could actually act. <laughs> but he obviously he can Samuel L. Jackson is amazing. Yeah, amazing in the movie. Um, and then you have, like, like Carol pointed out, you have a list of of other people. Oliver Platt. Uh, oh God, is, his his southern accent that was terrible. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. It's I mean, it's beyond terrible. <laughs> Oliver Platt cannot ever do a southern accent. Yeah, that, that should not have happened. No, but his character is funny, and and he's a nice little. They, they're, they're, the movie is carried by Samuel L. Jackson and probably to a little bit more of a degree Matthew McConaughey. Uh, 
there are some other people that are in the movie that they have little shining moments. Mm-hmm. Like even Donald Sutherland has a few shining moments. Right. Kiefer Sutherland is fantastic mm-hmm. as as a very insidious, hateful character. Yes. But he does it really well. Um, Sandra Bullock, like you said, is just adorable. She's, Always. She's... She somehow pulls off like you believe that she's smart and capable and tenacious, but like just adorable at the same time. (laughs) And I don't know how she does it, but she really pulls it off. And you can see his kind of pulling Mm -hmm. in in that direction. Uh, His wife is played by Ashley Judd, who um, I don't know if I should say this or not. I'm I'm, (laughs) Telling tales outside of school a little bit here. Uh, but uh, I've heard from some people. I know some people that live on the West Coast. I know some people who work in the film industry. Uh, and I, uh, I've i heard that... Uh, let's just say that she is not shy about uh, sharing some company with multiple different people that she works with. Whether it be uh, cast, crew... Really? Yep. She's so pretty. Yeah, well, apparently she also has a quite a voracious appetite from what I hear. Huh. So, uh, just throwing that out there. That makes me sad. I'm sorry about, well, I mean, why, though? Like, you know, if, if she doesn't care. And, and because she's disrespecting herself. I mean, there's got to be some emotional issues there if she's sleeping around. I, well, you know, she's a Judd, so why not a Judd and, and um... Naomi, yeah, her name's, no, she's Ashley Judd. Naomi Judd's the one that, that sings, uh, like, Naomi and Winona, yeah. Those are the singing ones. Um, so I, I do, I think there's, I mean, I think there's something there. I think there's some, there's some friction and stuff there. I think she has family issues. But anyway, um, yeah, I just heard, I, and like I said, that's, that's speculation. That's rumor. I just heard that. I'm not saying that's a fact. I, I just that's just something I heard. That's okay. All. Um, you know, so that I, that's not confirmed. I've never uh, I've never been party to uh, to that with her. So I have no firsthand or even <laughs> secondhand knowledge of it, really. So, um, but anyway, so she she has a couple scenes. Yeah, uh, she's <laughs> like. Partway through the movie, they're like, uh, why don't you and uh, my daughter uh, just get the fuck out of this movie for a while? Well, I mean, it makes sense because there was so much going on and so much danger. Like, their house almost got blown up. Yeah. Well, because the the this movie is about the rape and attempted murder of a 10-year-old girl. But what it's really about is race relations and racism in America. Mm-hmm. And like I said, this book was written in 89. It feels like feels like this book takes place in 1969. But I mean, that's also because we live in Michigan and not the South. I that's think, a fair point. I think it probably was a lot more like that in the South. 
At yeah, that time. and who knows? Maybe it still is. I I would have no idea what it's like in the South, really. Yeah. I mean, I've visited the South a few times, but I think you really have to like live and be ingrained in in a place before you really understand it. Well, yeah, visiting the South as a white tourist is not going to give you any idea of what's going on in race relations. But it just seems like there's a lot of like. Uh, Oh, there's, there's a lot of racism. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, there's a lot of people that really, it just, it doesn't seem modern to me. But, you know, I, I like you said, I think maybe it's a regional type thing. When they resurrected the clan. Yeah. That was a thing to see. You know, who leads the clan too. I don't know if you recognized him or not. I think his name's, uh, I don't know his real name, but I think he played, I think the I think it was Kyle Bedeker or something like that. I can't remember the guy's name. He was the bad guy in, well, one of the bad guys, in RoboCop. He was the, the lead, like, um, like drug dealer dude in, in oh, RoboCop. Okay. Interesting. Where uh, the guy comes in and there's two prostitutes there. <laughs> one of his famous lines, he goes, Bitches leave. <laughs> I think Kyle Bedeker, I believe that was his name, but he was the drug dealer. Um, but I can't think of, uh, I, I can't remember his real name. But he's got, a, he's got a, he's balding, he's got a big forehead. Okay, yeah. But anyway, he, he played the leader of the clan, who gets burned to death. It's kind of awesome to see. Yeah, which was, uh, which was cool. Um, but yeah, um, lot, but lots of, lots of good performances in in the movie but the themes that's the other thing too this is uh why do you keep looking at me like that why i don't do know keep, how i'm looking at you you keep you like i'm talking and you're going this year i don't I know what's I, going on in your i brain? swear to god like i what's have an expressive brain? face and you take issue with my expressions all the time what's going on in your brain while i'm talking what are I'm, you thinking i'm just thinking about the movie and all what right. you're saying all right okay anyway so, um, <laughs> what is your problem? <laughs> I, I'm trying to talk to you and you're giving me these weird looks. Well, now I'm looking at you thinking, why'd you call me out? Because I, it's distracting. I don't know what you're thinking. Well, here, I'll look over here now. No, I want you, you to, I want you to engage. That's the, that's. The, I can uh, engage without looking at you. I think that'd be a lot easier for you. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. You think it's, uh, you think it's easier for me when your back's to me, huh? Yeah, I do. <laughs> anyway so um what was i talking about oh <laughs> the this movie is ostensibly a courtroom drama yeah but this this plot is so tightly wound it's really about this town and the divide in this town and expanding it out the divide in mississippi the divide in the south the divide in the entire country it's it's different from place to place things are much more racially divided say in like a city like boston than they are maybe in like i don't know new haven connecticut or, okay. or something like that right but there is probably still i guess a divide i don't think about it much but, you know, the Rodney King thing from a few years ago and, and uh, stuff like that, you know, comes up. And there is, I guess, still still kind of a racial divide between uh, between black and white. And because Samuel Jackson talks to, you know, he, at one point he's talking to Matthew McConaughey and he's like, 
I I I hired you because you're them. Yep. You're you you're you're like them. You're he goes he goes. We're not friends. It's so it's like it's so sweet. Like the, what he's saying is kind of insulting. Yeah. But it's so sweet the way he's saying it, and he's not wrong. He's like you're you're the enemy. He's like you don't mean to be. <laughs> it's but, the way he was raised. But but you are. He's <laughs> like you know our our daughters don't play together. You know you, our daughters will never play together. That's yeah, what he said. He's like. You think that you're, you know, so much more progressive and so much better because every once in a while you come and eat at the black restaurant, you know, and stuff like that. And he's like, and you, you know, you help uh, some, you know, black guys get out of, you know, trouble or whatever, you know, with your law degree and stuff like that. But, you, you know, you're not different than them. You think like them. You, you hang out with them. And, yeah, he's not, he's not wrong. No. And I think Matthew McConaughey becomes a better person and learns stuff because of that well and at the very very end of the movie he shows up at the party with his wife and his daughter and he's like i thought our girls could play together and i I loved that and maybe maybe this one situation that will be changed but it's not gonna change anything really maybe it'll change the two of them yeah you know that's it but that's that's a start, you I know. Guess. I mean, and I I get I think I get what Samuel Jackson means. I think um, because I had a boss uh, named Brian who happened to be black, and he was dating uh, he was dating a white woman, and they eventually got married. And at one one time, uh, I was at work, and some people were talking, and everything, and. Um, Somebody was like, oh, he just hates Brian. And I was like, oh, why? Like, like I liked Brian a lot. And I was like, why? Why would? Uh, why do you think he hates Brian? And they were like, I don't know. Maybe it's because he's dating a white woman. And I, like, for a second, I didn't understand why, like, why he would hate him for that. Like, it confused me for a second. And I was like, oh, yeah, because Brian's black. <laughs> because obviously I'm not colorblind. I don't. No one should be. You know, no one should say, "Oh, I'm." Well, actually, I come. I'm kind of colorblind, but not in the way of like this. But uh, you know, I think it's wrong when people are like, "Oh, we should be a colorblind. We shouldn't see difference." And it's like, no, everyone should see difference. Obviously, I knew Brian was black, but I didn't. When I thought of Brian, I thought of, "Oh, that's Brian, my friend." Not Brian, my black friend. Like, that that identifier was buried lower in, mm-hmm. in my brain. So it took me a second to be like, oh, that's right, because he's black and she's white. Because that's not how I looked at them. I didn't look at them as, uh, he's my black friend, she's my white friend. That though, Like I said, I, I, I know I they were, but those identifiers were way lower. Right. And I think that's what Samuel L. Jackson's talking about. Is because he says, you know, when you when you see me, you don't see a man, you see a black man, and it's like, yeah, I think that that is the case for a lot of people, and I'm not saying that I don't like if I see a black guy, a lot of times that is my first instinct, like oh, there's a black guy or whatever, like you know, subconsciously or whatever in your brain. It took me getting to know Brian really well, right, in order for that identifier to to, you know, go down the surface. And I think that's, I think if we're ever going to, like, kind of break free of the bonds of racism, I think that's what we need. We need more exposure to other people. We need, like, and, and 
like in depth, like become friends, like be a part of people's lives, more integration. Right. So that it's not the first, the difference isn't the first thing that you notice anymore. Correct. Yeah, exactly. That it's still there. We're all, we're always going to know that person's skin color is black. That person's skin color is white, you know, or whatever. Um, but it just allows that identifier to go low, a lot, lot lower mm-hmm. in the or, like the order of things. Yeah. And I think that's kind of part of the message of, of this movie is that, you know, they said, like he says for a while, like, you know, I, I set out to prove that a black man could get a fair trial in the South, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how the legal system is flawed because people are flawed, which makes sense. Right. That's true. But yeah, I there there's lots of great scenes in here. It reminds me it reminds me in a very very small way, probably just cuz they're both courtroom dramas, but of another movie that we talked about, um A Few Good Men. Did we talk about A Few Good Men? Yeah. I think so. I don't think so. Mm. Well, we watched it. I don't know if we talked about it, but we watched we, it. I don't even remember watching that movie with you. Oh, well, it came out in 1993, so uh, I think it predated our our show, yeah. or ninety maybe ninety two, ninety two or ninety three. Yeah, so we we didn't do that movie, for but I've show. I've seen it. I thought you saw it too, but I might have. Um, is that the one with Jack Nicholson? Yeah. Then yeah, I did see it. I did see it, and, and I did and see it with you. You're right, Thomas Cruise. Yeah, you can't handle the truth. Yeah, yeah. another Demi Moore movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, partially because of of. of of that scene that you can't handle the truth. I mean, there's no, like, super hostile witness or whatever, but the, uh, yeah, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Spacey's also in this. Yeah, uh, he's from, excellent. From a few, or uh, not a few good men, the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like him. He's very good at playing a uh, an asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a few good men, a secret asshole. Right. But yeah, so uh, all in all, I would recommend it. I, I but with the with the provisos that Carol gave, knowing that the, it's it's a tough it's a tough subject. It can be a tough watch. It's really going to hit you emotionally. Like I had to drug myself to sleep after I saw it. Yeah. So. Um, but I mean, it is a little bit comforting at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. You see the little girl like okay. Yeah. You know, and that's because it's like in the beginning, the movie starts out, bad things happening. Yeah. And then, you know, throughout the whole movie, you know, you're hearing about how she's doing, like, she's never going to be able to have children. Yeah. Um, I mean, you see all kinds of her not doing well. And then at the end, she's healing, she's playing, she's happy, Mm -hmm. she's hugging her dad. You know, it's like. Children are resilient, you know. Yeah. And I think that's. I think, and I think we can all, like, the country. As people, you know, in a broader sense, I think we can all be resilient in that way. And I think that's another, kind of another message of this movie. But yeah, I th- they use they use the interpersonal stories to kind of highlight larger issues. Yeah. And it's just, I, I'm really in love with how well plotted this, this was. How well encapsulated it was. Just... Everything from the from the writing stage of, of this is fantastic. It is. So the direction's pretty good too. It was directed by Joel Schumacher, um, and uh, 
he did um, that one you like, Flatliners. I love Flatliners. And I think he did The Lost Boys, Kiefer too. Sutherland was in that, too. Yeah, I think he likes Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> well, because he, he, he did Lost, Lost Boys, Boy. too. Yeah, all three Kiefer, of those movies. Kiefer Sutherland was in that, too, yeah. Interesting. So, um, yeah, they're you know how directors will work with people mm-hmm. multiple times. I think he just likes Kiefer Sutherland and their friends or whatever. I don't know. Um, I have, that's total speculation. I have no an idea, but I know he's worked with him multiple times. So obviously he, he likes working with him. Right. Um, yeah, if but, he hated him, he wouldn't do that. But yeah, the, the, the direction I, what I like about the direction of this movie is it's not flashy. There's, you don't see a ton of dollies. There's not like, it, it's not like Goodfellas or something like that. There's not an unbroken five minute sequence of the camera following around all this action and stuff like that. There's not a lot of, you, when the scene happens at the beginning of the movie, there's a lot of cutting. There's a lot of like quick cutting, close-ups of things. We know what's going on. Quick cutting, um, but it's not. It's not heavily stylized. Mm-hmm. It's it's a reserved direct directing job. Like the cinematography, the directing is all very reserved. It's I wouldn't call it flat. It's got like good depth of field and everything, but it's. It's all very simply shot. It lets the acting and the story breathe, and it lets those things, uh, it lets those things tell the story, um, as it should. When a, when a story is written this well, when the acting is this good, the directing doesn't need to be flashed. The directing right. should you shouldn't notice it. Yeah, the directing should take a back seat, uh, and it and it does. And I think it's a really good. You know, they're. Other directors might be tempted to um, to showcase themselves, but I think Joel Schumacher is very good at allowing the work to speak for itself. So yeah, I mean, it is it is an excellent film. It's just also a lot to take. Yeah. Well, speaking of a lot to take, Carol, um, why don't you tell the people all the things they can take and do? Okay, I don't know about uh, taking, but you can certainly you can come take and the time to visit. tell a friend about this show. You can certainly come and visit our website at www.latefee1994. No, no, no that's... What darn the it! <laughs> darn it! Hang on, this is hang the, on, hang on. <laughs> this is the part of the show where Carol has a stroke. <laughs> okay. What's that word our salad website called? Our website is... Uh, Dot com. There you go. Our email address is latefee1994 at AOL.com mm-hmm. if you know you have anything you want to say. Yeah, say it to us there. Tell me if you think Joe's hot. I want to know. Yeah. Tell us if you think Matthew McConaughey's hot. Well, that's a given. Carol, Everybody thinks Matthew McConaughey's hot. Carol does. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.